You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hello, Served Up friends. Julie here. On this episode, I am so excited to introduce you to my personal role model. When I started my career at Southern Glazers over 13 years ago, Miss Sarah J. Halstead. In places like LA and New York City, people know of Sarah as an actor and a comedian. She's appeared in over 90 commercials, along with a slew of other guest star roles in both film and television. Sarah has a comedy special, RVs and Cats, available on Amazon Prime. She's also host of Drinking During Business Hours podcast. And her show, Bottle Shock Comedy, is featured at Hollywood Improv every month. But what many don't know is Sarah's expertise in wine, champagne, and what made her travel cross-country to pursue her dreams. Now sit back, grab your favorite bottle of Banshee wine, and get inspired. Sarah Halstead, it is so great to have you with us today. Well, thank you very much, Julie. Thanks so much for the invitation. And it's just so nice to catch up with you again. I know. I keep thinking of um, our little night in LA that we had recently, and it was just so wonderful. (laughs) It was. It was just the ultimate catch-up dinner, and it had been about 10 years or eight, maybe eight, more, maybe more like eight years. So almost that's still too long. It's way too long. And I just can't wait to really dive into the conversation. But before we get started, what are you drinking? Because this is one of the special oh. episodes that we get to do a little bit later in the day and I get to relax. It's a little later for you than it is me. So I am playing a little bit of hooky. I did get out of an appointment earlier, um, but I'm very, I I mean, I would way rather be doing this. Um, I'm drinking Banshee. I'm I'm drinking Banshee Rosé. And this vintage is uh, the 21 vintage just released. And it's stunning. So pretty. What about you? What you drinking? I, I think great minds think alike because I'm drinking Banshee too. And I'm That's drinking crazy. a 2019 um, Pinot Noir. Oh, I love the Banshee Pinot. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites in the Banshee portfolio. I do too. It yeah. is absolutely delicious. Um, it's like my little Burgundian style Pinot Noir. I love that. That's such a compliment. The, you know, the, the winemaker is a badass. She's a badass boss lady. I love Alicia and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to con her into coming on to Served Up. So maybe one of these days we'll get her on. <laughs> oh, that would be so cool. Yeah. I will tune so, in for that one for sure. 
Excellent. Well, we'll have to use all of our mighty forces to see if we can get I'll, our- I'll help tag team with that. Absolutely. That's great. So Sarah, you know, I, there's so much I want to jump into, but I, I kind of feel like I need to give a little context to our listeners that are listening. That would be because, good. I think so too. Yeah. You know, it's, we just met recently in Los Angeles when I was there for work and you were just so gracious to meet me last minute. Like, Hey, are you going to be around? And we had such a fabulous time. I love my career. Are you or my, my year my, and my career, <laughs> but it's been yeah. like, and like you said, 10 years and, you know, for all of our listening listeners, when I early on in my career, when I first started working for Southern Glazers, right? So first big company in the industry, I'd worked for a smaller wholesaler distributor prior to that. And I had just gotten the Fountain Blue was like my biggest account. And we were going to this meeting. It was like the big champagne meeting of the year, right? And here comes in Miss Halstead with like super sharp suit, looking all buttoned up. And I remember watching you in that meeting, like, bam, 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 bam. This is what we're going to do. And, you know, the buyer was just, he might even be listening. <laughs> he, he might. He might. Um, Mocha, David. David Mocha. Shout out. Wow. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, whatever. Like, the vibe was so great. And that was like my first kind of meeting on a big level of seeing like, what a partnership can look like, what a customer buyer relationship can look like. And I feel like that really set the bar for me moving forward, right? It wasn't just about how much champagne you're going to buy, but this is the programming we're going to do. This is how we're going to be partners. And, um, and I remember when we left, I, I feel like we were like walking through the back halls of the Fountain Blue, I'm sure. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. And <laughs> I asked you how long you've been doing this. And you were like, about 10 years. And I was like, oh my God, because I had just heard prior to that, that when you do something for 10 years, you're like at that first stage of being an expert. I think so. Right? Like a yeah. 10 year. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait till I get to be 10 years. And now, you know, I've been at Southern for I'm going into my 13th year and in the industry for mm. 15. Right. So Look how fast time flies and to be able to reconnect and is just so wonderful to me. It's a pivotal moment. And I mean, and look at you now, you know, <laughs> you were a key account manager, which is an impressive title, but now you're the VP of, you know, you're, you're running you're running trade, trade development. Is that the, your title? VP yeah, it's, trade development. It's, it's, it's part of our trade development, supplier yeah. development management. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah, at a national I'm, level. I mean, like who would have thought, and actually the key account manager came later. I was at that oh, point. Oh, were you a sales rep then? Okay. Okay. You know, frontline sales consultant, just yeah. so thankful to have the opportunity, you know, and, and, working at Southern and, and managing these big brands, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Sometimes I, I just really enjoyed working with you and we, we had this instantaneous rapport mm -hmm. and you were just so pleasant to be around. And whenever we would meet up at accounts for lunch or, um, you know, tastings appointments, it didn't feel like work. 
Yeah. I did, it just was always really enjoyable. And then what was really cool is sometimes after a work day, we would go to yoga. Yes. I, do you remember that? Yeah. We would go to yoga. I think it was at the standard. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. You had, a, you were, you had a membership there. So we, yeah. we went a couple <laughs> That's times and we did yeah. yoga. <laughs> yeah. We spent a lot of time together. We, we became fast friends. And yeah. so that's our background. And it's, it's deep, you know, to, to go that far back with someone in the industry and then, you know, to just really watch you flourish. I, I'm, I just couldn't be happier and I'm not surprised at all. You know, you just, you always had a really strong business acumen and high character. Mm, and I think those two things, no matter what you strive in life, if you have those two things, you'll yeah. be successful. Agree. And it was so nice to have somebody like you, you know, really be that role model when I was starting off and to see that right away. Right. Because trust me, I've had, I mean, you were in a kind of like a supplier role at that time you were working for Southern, but prior you were working mm-hmm. directly for the champagne house, but you were had a little bit of a leg up yeah, because of that you, experience. Right. Right. So you mm-hmm. were in, in this different role, but I think it's so important because obviously throughout my career, I've seen the best of them. And I've seen worst case scenarios. And I think for new hires and people new in the industry, it's really, it just makes the world a difference to see how it should be done and raise the bar high right away. Right. So that you well, thank you go and replicate that. So, well, thanks. I'm glad you caught me on a good day. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember the exact meeting, but because we, we ended up, you know, having a lot of meetings together and tasting with a lot of buyers. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad I, I left that impression. I'm really very, very flattered. Thank yeah, you. it was it was a good day. And, you know, even on the bad days when we'd have to go and have those difficult conversations when they wanted to return their champagne. Yeah, those were still really good learning meetings. So it's just, there's no escape. You know, every, every vocation is going to have its challenges. Yeah. And it's just how you deal with it. And, yep. you know, and, and how experienced you are with handling that particular fire drill. Well, yeah. We call it fire drills in this, yes. in our industry. And boy, we had a lot of them. Yes. And, and I we think continue to. Oh yeah. It, it yeah. never, it's like it never we're, carrying, we're carrying cancer. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's the important work, but I think, you know, what I learned most is, is that that authentic relationship you have with your customers and, and the decision makers, right. And being able to just really understand what their needs are and, and, you know, kind of playing that balancing act to, you know, ultimately service our customers and, and build on that relationship. It's and you, and you said relationship and I'm happy to see, I feel that relationships are coming back that they kind of went to the wayside slightly before the pandemic and something happened during this time that made everyone realize relationships are important. You know, having that rapport and having, you know, that that organic conversation with your with, with whomever it may be in whatever capacity of, of any industry, it matters. A robot cannot service that. You know, that's that's a, that's something that no, no one can give but another human. And relationships are really vital to any to any business, any business. Yeah. To life. Yeah. Right? And, and I, you bring up such a good point because I feel like, you know, I still think of 2019 early and, and 2018, we're just like 
insane years for me, like doing so many crazy things. And I feel like everybody had everything and things were just moving so fast and good and, and like more than we can handle. And, and I do feel that that like depth of relationships and the value of it really did get watered down and, and right. And, and now with COVID, it's like, we're all coming back and we appreciate so much. Like that. yeah, there was a lot that we were taking for granted. And I think we realized, you know, how, how much we needed people during that time. Yeah. And, and so that, that's kind of a nice blessing that's happened. At least one positive thing, just one <laughs> for the pandemic. That's, that's but the one yeah. thing, <laughs> the one thing that we realize we're just human in the end. Right. Exactly. And, and we prefer human interaction versus being serviced by a robot, you know, whether it comes to anything really yeah. customer service in particular. Oh no, I know. I'm just like, I wish they would make these telecall things illegal, you know, like, especially yes. when you're calling the airline and they're like, pushed it. And I'm like, customer service, you know, like yeah, put somebody yeah. on there, your customer representative. So, um, so Sarah, I'm not going to sit here. I'm, I'm going to try not to like full on fangirl. So obviously I adored you as like, this, you know, role model mentor when I was coming into the industry, but something, uh, you know, you also did something else that most people dream of doing their entire life and don't have the courage to do it. You picked up, moved to the other side of the world or the country, which is our world, right? Because we were right. in Miami. Right. It's a different we're world Boston. for us. Yeah. It's different world. Yeah. And um, pursued your passion. We want to hear all about that, but take us back even further to Sarah before being the champagne expert. Sarah is the little girl. And and then what made you make that move to, to then go and pursue your passion after being in the industry? I think at that time, probably it was over 10 years, right? Maybe like kind of where I'm at now. In it, my it, was, it was 12 years. Was 12. I was in the industry, primarily champagne for 12 years. And uh, I decided to um, take a break. I had become burnout, something that once gave me such joy and uh, that, that fed my passion, which was champagne in particular. It became all of the poetry had been extracted from just the, the daily grind and it became chasing a number. And because the, the, the depletions and the volume and everything was growing and the expectations were growing. And I, at this point, at, at the end um, of, of being in, in the champagne industry, I was working for Laurent Perrier and I was the Southeast regional director. And we and Miami is always the number one market for champagne sales maybe even in the world. It's kind of insane how much volume. I mean, back then it was, um, it was Miami and then Hong Kong. It was crazy. I mean, it was, <laughs> we, we did just tremendous, tremendous volume and it just, the work was nonstop. And because I like to be hands-on and because I like to be good at whatever I, I'm doing, I just was very involved. And I, my work ethic, I'm from the Midwest and we, we just work. And before I knew it, I just did not recognize myself. I just became so married to the work and I just, I got burnt out. And, um, at the time 
I was uh, freshly divorced and I thought, well, I don't really need to be in Miami. I can just, you know, and at the time, the, when we, when we divorced the market, it was the, the year of the crash in 2008. And uh, so we had uh, all, all of our properties were underwater and it, just, it was just, it was a mess. And I, I tried to maintain my, um, uh, we owned property together and I, I tried to, I'm really proud of myself for not foreclosing on anything. I, I stayed the course until the market got healthier. And as soon as it got healthy, I sold my home and all of my belongings and I rented a 30 foot RV and I just load that. And I didn't really take anything with me except for a coffee maker and my two cats. And <laughs> a 30 foot RV is quite foot big. RV. That's yeah. big. Did you really and need I, all that space? <laughs> no, I don't know why I did 30 feet and then not bother packing anything into it. I still wonder why did I, why didn't I just not take a few things? I didn't have any underwear. I mean, I didn't, I didn't take anything. I just was like, like, I'm over it. I don't need you. I don't need my underwear. I don't need the champagne. I don't need the can opener. Well, you didn't later, bring I, champagne either. I left all the champagne to the, the buyer who bought my place. I left everything. I left art on the wall. I, I mean, walls. I left a lot of art and I left the furniture and I left my China and my, I left everything I owned. I uh, regretted leaving the can opener because <laughs> I did have a hard time feeding the cat later because all I had were cans. But that's <laughs> kind of my only regret, to be honest. We really don't need anything. We, we really, I, I, I kind of got caught up in possessions and owning stuff. And what I realized is it's just stuff. And it doesn't necessarily, I know this sounds so cliche, but stuff doesn't make you happy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I didn't need any of it. And I was living this really opulent life. And I was, uh, you know, I I had champagne just everywhere. I had jerobones of champagne that I used as door stoppers. (laughs) And I, I mean, I just, I had so much just influx of, you know, this opulence from the, from being in the champagne world. And and the expense account and going out every night to, you know, beautiful restaurants. And yes, it sounds really glamorous, but it wasn't sustainable. Like to just like carry on that facade and have that kind of energy night after. And it wasn't just night, it was day. It was like getting up early in the morning and, you know, um, working with, with my wholesaler and going on appointments and selling wine and then having lunch and drinking during lunch. And then trying to have the energy to do it, like to work out. And then, and then I would go to dinner after working out, <laughs> then I would have more champagne. And, you know, it was just like this constant cycle. There was just always stuff to do. The work never ended. There was never, there, there was just always something to do. And I just, I became a workaholic. Yeah. It becomes your identity. It, right? it became my like identity and, and, pe- and people didn't even know my name, my, you know, my, my nickname when I was with Perrier Jouet and, and Moom before Laurent Perrier and my nickname was PJ. People just thought they just referred to me as PJ, <laughs> you know, and that it, it really so it's was like my PJ life. LP, same thing, right. like, you know, PJ yeah, to LP. Yeah, exactly. Whatever acronym I, I was representing, but 
but to go back, you know, and I, I lost myself, but to, to kind of tie in where I'm going here, when I was a little girl, I, I really admired and uh, worshipped young comedians, um, you know, or comedians that were established, you know, Joan Rivers, um, uh, Gildna Radner, all the all the comedians on SNL. I had a just I, I was fixated with comedy. And this is something that I would do with my dad and my brother. And we had this really funny, you know, and my mom would just, just roll her eyes, you know, and uh, she was the business person. She was the glue. She kind of kept everything together while we were all just goofballs. And, uh, but I, I always had a fixation with comedy. And then I moved to New York shortly after high school. I'm born and raised in Flint, Michigan. I moved to New York and I still was really engrossed with comedy in particular female comics, because they were now starting to branch out a little more. It wasn't just, just, it wasn't just Joan Rivers and um, Elaine Stritch and Moms Mabley. And, you know, you could count them on one hand. Well, now there was Ellen DeGeneres and, um, and Chelsea Handler. And there were more female comics that were, you know, kind of like really making their mark. And so I was in this little group at Caroline's on Broadway. I was in a sketch comedy group and I really enjoyed that. And I went to school for acting and I was in acting school and I was booking commercials and I did a lot of theater and uh, I did a lot of commercials. And this is in my early 20s. Um, and then when my mom, my mom passed away uh, young, I was 26 and I was really close with my mom mm -hmm. and I just wanted to take a break from drama. Mm -hmm. So uh, the only other skill I had was wine. And the reason I had that skill is because to support myself through college and theater productions, I was a bartender at several places at Le Zoo Bistro and uh, Steak Frites and Luna Park and all these, you know, for whatever reason, it was always a French bistro, but I had befriended the wine reps mm -hmm. and I took over the wine buying and I just really inevitably became educated in wine just through happenstance, just by being in the restaurant and, you know, whether it be a waiter and a sommelier, then I became, I became a certified psalm. And then I thought, you know, I was forming these relationships with, with the sales reps and they would walk in at like 7 PM after a work day and they had a, they were wearing a suit and they had a bag full of really delicious wine and they would just, they just kind of seemed to have this really nice life and they'd, you know, put down their credit card and expense their meal. And I thought, well, I want to do that. Having no idea what they really do, mm -hmm. you know? So after my mom passed away, I decided to get in the wine industry and it just was so stimulating, um, pun intended <laughs> that I ended up doing it for like, you know, for, for the next 12 years. And, but really, and I love how life goes full circle. Really this whole time I've, I've been an actor. Mm -hmm. Um, that, and I've been a comedic actor and that that's, you know, was my, my initial vocation in life. And it just never leaves your soul as much as I tried to extract it out of me, it just stayed. So in Miami, there really wasn't a lot of opportunity to pursue those passions. So when I got in that 34 foot RV, I thought, well, I did it very unceremoniously. I didn't. Did you anyone, know you were going to go pursue this dream of yours? Or were you like, let me just get the hell out of here and then figure it out later? Yeah. Kind of the latter. I was like, I just need to get out of here. I just need a break. I just need to clear my head. I had given notice 
Yeah, it was not. um, So you didn't really know what your plan was going to be. And I love that. I, I can relate. I, when I went through my my first divorce. And I think I shared that with you when we had met because it was pretty fresh. Um, that was, I met you just when you were recovering from that. Yeah, I do. I remember that. And again, right away, you know? Yeah. Well, cause you're, you're definitely a treasurer. (laughs) You're a catch man. Trust me. it It was not easy. Um, Today was 14 years. I'm, but it's not about. Yeah, today's our anniversary. Oh, what are you guys doing to celebrate? Well, we're going to do some- on the podcast with me. That's what you're doing to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> he's biking, you know, he's cycling. He's got his priorities, but we'll do something uh, this weekend. But I just, you know, I could relate because I, you know, I was in a little different place. I did go cross country like you. I think this is why we're just so connected because we have so much in common, but I was in Alaska, got divorced and knew I needed to get the hell out and go start my life. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I think at the time I had spent all the money, like spent all my money. I had nothing. Um, I just had enough for a one-way ticket to go be with my cousin in Seattle. And I packed two suitcases after nights of partying in a row, which was not healthy. And that's like a whole nother episode. That's good good to do. You got to do that too. I ended up showing up at her house. And this is the funny part is I literally had like, cause you know, it's Alaska. So you have all the cute boots. I had two pairs of my favorite boots. I only had one of them. You know, like I only had one of like each of my favorite boots. So that didn't do anything for me. But, you know, I think there's something to that, right? Like you just have to um, have the courage and, and be able to trust like who you are as a person, not who you've become right. and, and trust that, you know what, you can, you can risk it. You can do it. You can, you can risk it. And it's, it just puts everything in perspective and what is really important to you. And I thought to myself, okay, if I never have this life again, am I, am I okay with that? Mm-hmm. Because there, there was, I was taking a risk. There is a chance that I'll never be able to, to grow into that kind of position again in another region. Mm-hmm. It was a risk. And um, I decided that I was okay for whatever this ne- next chapter held. So um, as I was driving, I ended up in Austin at this RV park called Pecan Park. And I was hanging out with like these bohemian people that were living off the grid. And, you know, they had, I would say, what do you do? And they're like, I'm a poet. Like, oh, I didn't know you could like (laughs) just be a poet. That's really cool. I don't, you know, and and they've lived in this park for like, you know, 10 years. and. So I was, uh, it was nice to be with that kind of species of like really awesome human where they're just, they're minimalists Mm -hmm. and they smell the roses every day Mm -hmm. and, you know, they, uh, live off the land. I just thought that was really cool. And I, I don't quite, I'm not, that's not really my personality. That's not really how I want to live. You, you had know? a 30 RV. It was nice to pass through and get like a little snippet of, of that because it was the total, total dichotomy from the life I had been living. That was really cool. And I think it was when I was changing my, my sewer pipes 
in the RV. Oh yeah, you had to do that. <laughs> I did it all, man. Nobody I did it for you. You had to do it. What was that like? The the I tried doctor. to get the poet. I, I tried to get the poet to do it for me, but he's. Yeah. Like, I'm not falling for that one. I've done that before. <laughs> Instead, he uh, he taught me how to how to change my sewer pipes, and you never forget your first. Uh, but so as I'm, as I'm doing this, I, I was saying to myself, when was the last time I was really happy? And that was when I was in New York city, striving towards my big goal and dream of being a working actor. That's the last time I was really fulfilled. And I didn't have a lot then. I mean, I was, you know, living a really simple life in New York city, like a little studio. Actually, it was in Altove. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I just, I, do, I realize that I don't need a lot. Mm -hmm. I just want to feel like whatever I'm doing, I, I want to give to people and I want to feel fulfilled at whatever I'm doing. And I, I want it to be something that really interests me. And so I decided to just go to LA and see what happens. So from Pecan Park in Austin, Texas, I drove to LA. So that was a pivotal uh, moment for you in it was Austin. Pivotal. Yeah, I thought. Well, I thought. Well, what? I mean, it, it was the only as other you were changing school. your sewer pipes. As I was oh. changing the sewer pipes, I was like, "What other skill do I have?" Oh, uh, I know Shakespeare. <laughs> as I'm changing my sewer, my sewer big, pipes, that was my epiphany. It's like <laughs> I, I know Shakespeare. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, just moved to, to LA and um, started a life here and took a little break from the wine industry. And entrenched myself in stand-up comedy and became a full-time comic pretty quickly. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so tell us all about that. Like, what is the day in a life of being a comic? And and I know that you know you do a couple things, um, you know, outside of that, and and that you did get back in the wine industry as as kind of your day job. But yes, you know, I, I would love to just know more about you know what does it look like. You know, what if there's one of our listeners that 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 can relate with you that that really wants to go pursue you know some of their passions that they had early on. Um, you know, tell us what that what that looks like. Well, it was exhilarating and it was scary. And uh, I, you know, just didn't really know where to start. I didn't know anyone, but I, um, I just started going to stand up comedy shows. And what I would do is I would wait after the show and I would introduce myself to the comics. Mm. And I am kind of shy, to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm not really for being in sales for as long as I was. I, it kind of takes a lot for me to approach people, but I just, you know, especially, you know, comics of this stature, they were pretty big and I would just approach them and hold my breath and hope that they didn't laugh in my face. And I, I would introduce myself and say, I really want to start comedy. And I don't know how uh, a couple of them were really, really gracious and we're still friends to this day. Oh. And they met me for coffee. I'll just, I'll give him a, a shout out. His name is Alonzo Bowden. And he's mm -hmm. quite a big comic. He uh, won last comic standing. He was runner up one season. He won, I think the third, the sixth season. And then he came back as a judge for the remaining seasons of last comic standing. He's also a regular on NPR mm -hmm. and uh, he's, he's a pretty big name here. And anyway, so he met me for coffee 
And he gave me some really invaluable advice on how to go after this. And he said, it's not going to be easy. And he said, I don't recommend it. <laughs> so if you really, really don't feel, okay, the, the, the show that he's on is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell on mm. NPR. I highly recommend everyone. And he's yes, so- I listen to NPR all so the time. Riveting. I don't know when he's that great. must be after hours. I'll have to- he, <laughs> he, He's really, and he has a, a special on Amazon Prime and- so he, he said, you know, I, I don't recommend you do this if you, if you don't really, really love it because it's the absolute hardest endeavor anyone could ever pursue. He said, it's harder than acting. It's harder than, harder than anything corporate. And he had a little bit of experience there and he's, you know, and, and he was right. It is really, really difficult and it's very cutthroat. And I had a lot of, and he, he told me what to do. He gave me the the name of a, an online, uh, it's, it's this, um, online site that, that tells you where every open mic is in the city. Mm. And I would go to three to six open mics in a night. And I would perform these open mics and just try to get material. And he said, just get a good three minutes. And after you get three minutes, get a good seven minutes. (sighs) After you get a good seven minutes, get a good 10 minutes. And he said, you're not going to get 10 minutes until you're five years in. And I thought, no, 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 not me. I'm special. He, does, he has no idea. You're like, I work. <laughs> I'm Sarah Halstead. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this down. I'm going to. And I do think I had a little bit of a leg up with my business acumen. It has helped me. Yeah. Having that corporate background, I absolutely have a little bit of a leg up of, um, compared to a lot of uh, other comedians in this town, but that doesn't mean that doesn't make me funnier. It doesn't make me more talented. It just means I show up on time yeah. and I'm really good with follow-up. Yeah. That's all that means. Hey, that's like the two, that's like the two, you know, that's the two secrets for success, right? It I mean, really, really is. And I'll never forget the first uh, producer at the comedy store and one of the biggest, most iconic comedy clubs in the world. And the first time I was on his show, he pulled me aside and I was really green. I think at this point I was about um, two years in and he pulled me aside. He said, I really appreciate that you were on time, that you were prepared, uh, that you stayed throughout the entire show and that you were nice to all the comics. You're going to be a regular. You're going to be a regular in my lineup. Oh my God. And, and that's, that's how it started. It, it really just started by being you know, a, a, a good person, like just being considered reliable other people, reliable, yeah. reliable, showing up on time, being prepared. And, and that's kind of how it started. And there are a lot of comics in this town, in this country who are exponentially funnier than me, exponentially funnier, but I am a little bit ahead and, and I'm not a lot ahead, but I'm a little bit ahead of them. And it's because of, I really believe that it's because of that acumen of just mm-hmm. that business acumen and just treating people the way, and it sounds so cliche, but treating people the way I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And that work ethic. I mean, yeah. you downplay that, right? I mean, that, that Midwestern work ethic that was yes. in you, um, ingrained in you is, well, means a lot. It, and it wasn't just that, and yes, the Midwestern definitely, because that's how, you know, we start with, with where we're from, but it, 
I think, you know, the, the wine and spirits industry and champagne industry is just so cutthroat Mm -hmm. and you really had to be like, you really had to have it together in order to make it in that field. I mean, cause that field isn't easy at all. No, it's not. And you're used to getting laughed in the face and, and yes. sometimes <laughs> yell to the rejection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That cold call, putting yourself out there and, yes. and getting totally snubbed and, and still going back and, and doing the same. It is, it's, it definitely um, takes a toll on your character. It does. Um, so during that time, while I was pursuing stand-up, for money, I would book, I, I would um, be featured in commercials and I did really well. I, I booked like a hundred commercials in, I don't know, the first maybe four years that I lived in Los Angeles. Oh, fun. Like, like what kind of commercials? Like oh, toothpaste and that, you know, yeah, you've just, got such perfect teeth, you know? Yes, I, like, like, I did do a, uh, a, what was it called? A, a Invisalign? No, I did go smile, which is like this electric toothbrush. I still have the tooth. They still send me the toothbrushes. <laughs> They're actually, you know, the, the, the merch is like better than the actual paycheck. But uh, no, I did like really cheesy commercials, like, you know, flawless legs, you know, that like a lot of infomercials where, you know, I, I'm with the razor and I'm like, and it's nice and compact. You can just put it right in your death drawer. You know <laughs> You're like, look, <laughs> so did you, um, how do you, how do you do that? Did you have like an agent or were you just out there looking for, I did, I did just the old fashioned snail mail and I got some professional headshots and I put together my resume that had credits from New York city back when I was a kid mm-hmm. in my twenties, you know, and just, I sent out my resume and some you know, really kind of shoddy low end agent that had a a sign, a a blinking sign, like, like Bates motel and the (laughs) agent and the T was blinking and the light, he called, he called me that guy. Bless his heart. Yeah. He signed me right away. That's amazing. We're still together. So (laughs) that's great. (laughs) What is my smart guy? He's my only fan. It's great. (laughs) In fact, he would like me to get on OnlyFans, but that's where you know I draw the line. He's still, uh, yeah, he's, he's working hard. That's great. And and so, what are you doing these days? Because I know you do have your have a podcast as well. And the podcast, yeah. You know what's great is, and and what our listeners don't know is that even though you've been gone, you know, this is the power of social media. I'm, I'm a nerd, so it's really like LinkedIn and Twitter for me, but you know, I'm, I'm casually on Twitter, but I would see, you know, a lot of what you were doing. So I knew that you were in the showbiz and I knew that you were in comedy and it was just so great to kind of get these alerts throughout the years and see what you're doing. And, um, and then to be able to reconnect and and to hear the full story, but tell me, um, so what, what are the things that you're doing now and, and where are you performing? And, and for all of our listeners that are in Los Angeles that want to come see you live, like where can they see and, and tell us a little about your, your, you know, what do they, what do you call it? Is it a genre or, or like your comic my type or, or what sure, is that? my point of view? Sure. Yeah. Of view. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, right before the pandemic, I filmed my first special, my first comedy special. It's called RVs and cats. And it's the story of my journey. Um, starting in Michigan, 
to New York City, to Miami, and then to LA. Um, and that special dropped the first week of the national quarantine. Oh. And so it did really, really well. When and everybody I, wanted to buy an RV and when, get all out exactly. of and, and all the RVs were taken. They were also yeah, you couldn't find an RV to save your life, even even to just stay in an RV for vacation. Um, yeah, but they, I, I did not, uh, I mean, I got really lucky with that because normally you would want your special to be, uh, launched in a, you know, in, in a regular setting, like non COVID, right. Non quarantine, but because it dropped during that time, it got like a million views in the first week. And, um, and it's just been growing from there. It's just, I don't know what the current analytics are, but it did very, very well. And, I really firmly believe it's because the second the good thing since so, exactly the second, the second good thing. So it did very well. And, uh, and then I, uh, released an album version of the special. So the special is on Amazon prime, um, and the album also called Arby's and cats that's available on Spotify and Apple music and Netflix and, or not Netflix, um, iTunes, is that like a, a podcast or is there actual? It's, it's just the album version. So it's like something, you know, just, um, they, they, I, I have, I actually have vinyl albums of, of that special. It's oh. yeah. It's something I did during the quarantine out of boredom. I was like, I want vinyl albums of myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and that that's available everywhere. Um, and then I, uh, just started a podcast drinking during business hours and, it's actually a revamp. I started drinking during business hours in 2017 and uh, just got too busy and let it go. But I realized I really enjoyed it. And I like talking with people and it's uh, basically just talking with creatives about their journey over a great bottle of wine, much like what we're doing now. I love it. It's, fun, it's easy. And that's available. You can Apple music, Spotify, iTunes, and I have a monthly show at the Hollywood Improv um, on Melrose Avenue uh, in West Hollywood. And that's called Bottle Shock. I like to have wine themed. I love it. Uh, it's monthly. Well, because, because it is me, you know, and, yeah. and, and yes, I, I do have a job um, in wine currently because that is still a part of me. It's my personality. And I, I've, I just have done it for too long and. I really missed the wine business. I took a break and I really missed it. And I, I wanted it back, but I just wanted it to be on my terms. I didn't want to get swallowed into, you know, where it became my, my life and my identity. And now I think I really learned a great lesson of balance and just really being able to differentiate uh, work and, um, and personal life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but my personal life is telling jokes. So, you know, when people stop work at five o'clock or six o'clock or seven o'clock, us Americans, right? We work way too much. Mm -hmm. But instead of going home to my family and my kids, <laughs> I go to comedy clubs and I tell jokes. That's Those are your kids. My, yeah, that's that it. That's my at your jokes. I mean, yeah, what's that it's, it's, <laughs> and it's, it's just, and it's the ultimate just balance and release. And it just, it, I, I'm just so happy. I'm, I've never been happy, happier pursuing this, pursuing this passion. And I don't know where it's going to lead. I have no idea. I mean, I would love, you know, the great thing about comedy is if you stay in it and if you do the work, you will just get better. Mm -hmm. And so 
I just plan on getting better and better. And I mean, the goal is to just be one of the best comedians ever and to be performing everywhere over a great bottle of wine. Yes. <laughs> I think that's, it's something that we all learn, right? And and sometimes it takes time and experience in our life. But, you know, one of the things that I've been really diving into and, and reading a book, and I'm going to give them, give her a plug because she's so incredible. She's from a network that I'm with chief that I, I mentioned. To oh, you. you talked about chief. Yes. Oh. And, um, Tevis Rose Trower, and it's called the Game Changers Guide to Radical Success. And she really talks about instead of setting goals for yourself, whether it's like, I want to be skinny or I want to lose X amount of pounds or I want to make a million dollars or I want to be CEO. It's more of like, what is that experience you want? Right. Like, what is it that you long for? And it's not an actual outcome. It's like the feeling, right? So being fulfilled, like you said, being able to give yourself and being fulfilled at the same time. And like all those things that just make you happy and tingly and all that. And then it's like, okay, what are the actions and, and behaviors that make you feel that way? And I just feel like life can be so simple and you just do that. And then, and then you just, whatever comes, comes right. And, and only great things can come because if you're really chasing what makes you feel incredible and and feel the best you and everything else will just kind of fall into place. And it sounds, I believe in that too. I think, I think that will happen and and it has happened so far. I mean, I've, yeah, this is, and, and, and I love that we've reconnected and how that has come full circle and you know, that's, um, I mean, to be sitting here with you and I mean, it's kind of surreal. I know. Right. Like who would have yeah. thought, you know, 12, 10 years ago that, that we'd be doing this. And, and I think it just goes to show that a lot of opportunities out there and it all really starts with that relationship, you know, and it does, it does. Yes. I'm so happy that, that, you know, we stayed connected and, um, and I don't want that time to go. I, let's never let that happen again. Yeah, I won't. I won't let it happen again. No, uh, we, we won't. We won't. And I mean, being connected. And sometimes you need that that time, right? I mean, like you've done a lot during that time. I've literally my son turned eleven. Right? Yes, I it's remember like, when he was born. Yeah, you were you were right there when he was mm-hmm. when he was born. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot. And, and sometimes time away is, is good, right? Because we, we all have a lot of work to do, but where we're at in our life, I don't ever see us having another gap. And I'm just it's so fortunate that we got to do this. And what a great episode to give to our listeners. You're welcome yes, um, yes. to be able to Thanks hear your me. story. And um, we will definitely be, it, do you have a website that people can find you on? Yes, it's sarahjhalstead.com and I'm Sarah Halstead on Instagram and I'm Sarah J Halstead on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, Sarah J Halstead. No, Sarah Halstead on Facebook. I'm trying to buy the domain of Sarah Halstead. There's another Sarah Halstead out there and I'm trying to like- You gotta throw that J I know, I know. I'm just, Maybe it should but, uh, be like Sarah PJLP Halstead. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much, you know, where where I can be found. And Instagram is my main, 
vein. Like I'm, I'm on my Instagram every day, pathetically enough. And now oh, I'm kind of on TikTok. We got to be on everything, right? No, you do. Uh, you do. You've got uh, it. all about TikTok. Page, share that content. We love seeing the little clips and um, so happy to introduce you to our listeners. And, you know, as we say, we thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. And we wish you all the best. And as Bridget would say, peace, love, everything that you want. And um, we will be chatting again soon. Thank you so, so much. This was amazing. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!